Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the Autosport Podcast. We speak to Peretti's Mario Isola reveal the mysteries of Formula One tyres. It's not unusual on the Autosport podcast not just to talk about drivers, but have some uh, some well-known drivers on as guests. And we've got a slightly unusual driver uh, as a guest on this podcast. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and my, my special guest is Mario Isola, Pirelli Motorsport Manager, but also an unusual kind of driver, which I think people <laughs> might not know. Yeah, because as a volunteer since many years now, I'm driving ambulances in Milan. And uh, it's an activity I enjoy a lot. I've seen the traffic in Milan. Uh, the traffic in Milan is crazy, so you have to learn how to drive an ambulance. Uh, that is not uh, really easy. But uh, we have a good training. Uh, now it's 30 years this year that I'm doing this activity. So I'm very happy. It gives you a lot of, uh, uh, how can I say, it's, uh, it's something you should experience that. Because you see something that in your normal life you never see. And uh, sometimes you realize how lucky you are uh, seeing something different from your daily activity 
and it's a noble cause as well, because normally we talk about people just driving for race wins, but this is this is important stuff. Yeah, I have to say that I use my experience in in my job and in driving because I was driving instructor in uh, in Italy to um, to make a special training for ambulance drivers in uh, Lombardia, that is the region around Milan. And uh, so now we have a special training organized for drivers to be sure that they are competent enough to. Uh, to drive ambulances in traffic with uh, critical patients in in the back uh, and uh, sometimes with also the family so it's it's not really easy and uh, it's it gives you a lot of uh, um, motivation more than what uh, you give them you receive more than what you give them the milan traffic must give you a lot of customers as well i remember an occasion a few years ago pulling up to a level crossing, the lights came on, barriers starting to come down. I thought, well, I will stop. I'm British. The guy four cars behind um, pulled out, drove, handbraked it so he could dodge between the barriers (laughs) and got through just as the train came through. (laughs) Crazy people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes you see something that is... You you look at the accident and, and you think, how is it possible <laughs> that somebody is able to do something like that? It's, it's incredible. But then, obviously, you have to work on that. <laughs> that other voice we heard was Stuart Codling. Now, obviously, we're not used to people doing such important jobs talking talking on this, are we? No, for sure not. What, me doing an important job or Mario doing an important job? Well, normally you try and mention your catering industry experience, but it's just not the same level. I've I've cooked lunch for Mario in the past. Oh, of course, I yeah. remember that. Peter Pest was it, <laughs> and I remember that uh, our chef was so impressed that he put in the menu the following day your uh, your dish, your preparation. Yeah, it was a pasta. It was pasta. It was a pasta. Yes, it was very. And th- this this was a high bar to get over because I think the 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 the, the chefing in the Pirelli motorhome is the best in the entire paddock you know it's the yeah. sort of thing I think it's it's like getting into the ivy getting a lunch invitation there because the the cooking's so good there's a conga line of people hoping to get fed yeah, yeah. No, Pirelli does an outstanding job on that and of course makes the best tires which I'm obliged to say as a, as a, a result <laughs> of that uh, people may disagree with that well before we get into detail you've been with Pirelli for I think almost 22 years now yeah, you can yeah tell I, I started a- in 1996 yes so how do you come to be Pirelli's motorsport manager? You're the man in charge of... <laughs> That's a long for- story. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, let's have the short version. But it, obviously, you're in charge of the Formula One operation, but also other motorsports uh, activities. So yeah. that, that's a... That's a that's a big job. So what, what's the what's the potted history of how yeah, you got to where you I are? I love motorsport. I'm a motorsport fan since I was a child. I started to race with the go-karts when I was 12. So it was my dream to work in motorsport and especially in Formula One. When I joined Pirelli, I was uh, employed as a test driver because of my experience with go-karts and some uh, races uh, on circuit, but at very low level. But they asked me if I was available to have a, a drive test uh, together with uh, the, the head of uh, the, the test drivers in Pirelli. And after one week, they came back to me saying, OK, you have the job. And I w- it was like a dream for me because you can imagine driving fast cars, uh, prestige cars and so on. Then I realized that I wanted something more to use more my. I was studying mechanical engineer, uh, so I was looking for something where I use my brain more. I don't want to say that test drivers are not using brain because <laughs> if so I like, say if have. I say like that, <laughs> it can be misunderstood. It's not this. I was using more my experience, the what I learned at university, uh, in my daily activity. 
And uh, I had the proposal to move to the design department and I started to design uh, road tires. And then I was involved in a, a small group. Uh, at that time, uh, winter tires were at the very beginning. So I was uh, in, in a small group of four people designing winter tires for a couple of years. And then there was the opportunity to move in the superbike department to design superbike tires. We just entered the superbike at the end of 19, or it was 2000 or something like that in, in that, that period. And my boss told me, but I need somebody also in uh, car racing to design tires for GT cars and rally cars. And so I moved to motorsport. And that was the occasion to move to motorsport. Then I was involved in GT racing uh, for a few years. I was involved in the, when we developed the tires for the Maserati MC12. You remember the GT1 car that uh, won the championship? The a controversial car. Uh, a lot controversial. They had to modify the car many times. I remember when I was working with Giorgio Scanelli, that is an incredible engineer, a very, very skilled engineer. I learned a lot from him. And uh, yeah, they had to modify the car two, three times at least cut it was too long too wide too everything so they have to change the car redesign the car obviously we were developing the tires together with them and then when we won the championship my boss offered to me the my boss that is, was Paul Emberi that is um, was motorsport director until uh, last week uh, last year sorry uh, offered to me the opportunity to manage the uh, rally activity we were in the WRC with the Subaru and uh, so I, I moved to rally. It was a very new environment for me. I, I knew rally as a, a motorsport fan, but I never been involved before in running. So it was really a challenge at the beginning. Then uh, we won the tender for the sole supplier, the tire sole supplier for three years, tw uh, 2008, 9 and 10. And to the end of 2009, we started to consider GP3. And then Formula One, when uh, Bridgestone decided to, to stop the activity at the end of 2010. So now from 2011, I'm involved uh, both in Formula One and uh, I mean all car racing. Consider we are supplying more than 230 championships all around the world. So it's quite a big activity. I'm very happy because it means that the company is investing in motorsport a lot. It's not uh, just uh, branding. Obviously, there is a big part of the activity that is to show your brand uh, around the world, especially with Formula One. But what is important uh, is what we learn from technology. The technology and the know-how we are uh, able to develop with the motorsport is incredible. Every weekend we have people working in GT races, Ferrari Challenge, Lamborghini Super Trofeo, rally uh, european rally championship world rally championship we have a lot of programs with uh, junior drivers to support junior drivers there is a lot going on I'd, I'd love to know what the thoughts were at pirelli as you were considering the formula one program and just looking at the situation with bridgestone who were always criticized for making these tires that lasted too long and uh, uh were too grippy and you were kind of told if you want to come in your tires have to kind of degrade very quickly and drop off a cliff because we want it, every race to be like that mad Canadian Grand Prix that Jensen Button won. Yeah, that, that, that was a really a challenge. Consider a company that was working from 100 years to find a, a tire that was degrading less with more grip. And then suddenly you have the request that if you want to 
go to Formula One and supply Formula One, you should design tires that are degrading. You have a cliff, you have to encourage overtaking with the degradation of the tire. So it was really a challenge and all my bosses were discussing this opportunity and then they came with the idea that, uh, yeah, that was the, the right uh, choice. But then it was important to communicate this decision, to inform the people that uh, degradation was uh, something made on purpose, not because we were not able to make the tires. And at the beginning, it was not easy. I remember some stories of our commercial guys around the world coming to us saying, we have customers coming to the dealers and they say, I don't want Pirelli tires because they are degrading too much. And we said, no, 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 it's not this. <laughs> we can make tire, road tires that are lasting and with, with a perf great performance and so on. The tires for Formula One are designed to do that. They are made on purpose to do that. But at the beginning, it was not easy to, to explain to the people. It's difficult to reach all the people, all the customers, and some of them that are maybe not motorsport fans started to complain. And well, I heard that Pirelli are not lasting. Well, it's, it's a fascinating question, isn't it? Because Pirelli is the first company that's ever been a genuine spec tyre supplier in Formula 1. There have been one tyre supplier in the past, Bridgestone, Goodyear, all sorts of periods, but these are always what you might consider normally developed tyres that just so happened everyone was using them. So building these tyres to to a spec of performance is a it's a huge challenge it's very complicated tires obviously people won't understand the, the kind of details and depths of it you've got to be a specialist but in in layman's terms how do you go about tuning a tire like that difficult enough especially yeah, you, when you, you're you, shooting for cars you don't know the performance of yeah it's true because also you have uh, 10 different teams or 10 they, they were 12 at the beginning with different cars, they look similar, but they are not similar. The stress they put on the tires is, is really different. So you have to work on, a, let's say, an average or uh, try to make everybody happy. That is not possible, so you have to choose your direction. Um, and and you receive requests from anybody. <laughs> I would like something like this. I would like something like that. And that's why in, in the last few years, uh, in 2000, beginning of 2016, we said we need an official document, the famous target letter, where you list, you detail uh, the characteristics of the tires you want, because otherwise it was too difficult. You have drivers asking for a tire with no, de not, not de mm, no degradation is, is wrong to say. They want a tire they can push on. They want to fight. They, when they are close to another car, they want the opportunity to push on the tire and try to overtake. That is a normal um, consideration for a driver. On the other side, you have uh, uh, other um, people like uh, FIA, FOM, they are asking for more degradation because they want to improve the show. And if you have more degradation, you risk to have overeating. And if you have overeating, you cannot push on the tire. So you make drivers not happy. So you have to find a compromise. And uh, there are a lot of uh, requests that are in contrast to each other. So sometimes you have to, to, to build up your own direction. On top of that, you have the cars that are developing during the year. So we have to freeze our product at the end of the previous year with uh, just the simulations from the teams, not, not just because it's a very important piece of our knowledge, but uh, they provide uh, simulations, and we, we, we have to imagine what happened at the end of the following year, so in terms of performances, 
which are the performances uh, at the end of the following year because we have to freeze the product and uh, we have to use the same tire for all the year without any change while cars are changing. This is why this year we have decided to homologate seven compounds. There was a lot of discussion around the seven compounds, if they are uh, too much or not. They are seven just because we have the freedom to decide what we want to use during the season. If for any reason in the second part of the season we see cars with uh, uh, a much better performance and they are overstressing the tires, we have the super hard in the pocket. We can use it because it is homologated. With the current system, with the current regulation, we cannot add a compound during the season or we cannot change a compound during the season. So it is important that when we start, we have uh, in the pocket what we need. Then we can decide not to use one of that, like the super hard. Or for example, this year we have a soft, super soft, ultra soft. They are a bit too close. The delta lap time is not exactly what we want. We wanted some a, a bit uh, wider gap between the, these three compounds. But we can jump one compound. We can use the soft and the ultra soft, exactly as we are doing in Germany and Budapest, for example. So uh, we have the, the flexibility we need to uh, supply the tires that Formula One wants. But as you said, it's not easy because to do that, you you must know very well all the regulation and find solution and find a way uh, to have, yeah find a solution to 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 have this opportunity to keep the, the the door open to any possibility. And you get a lot of kind of unintended consequences or at least unexpected events when you're out in the field, don't you? Where sometimes tires either perform better or not as well as you expect, or sometimes drivers ask the impossible. So you got. Uh, around about sort of Spain, um, Monaco time, people saying we want to have the hyper soft at every round, which clearly isn't going to work. And then you had in, in Austria the, the soft tyre suffering from blistering, as, which wasn't expected and not lasting as long as expected. You know, very, very often, um, even at Silverstone, um, I, I, always, I always look forward to the Pirelli anticipated race strategies uh, document on the Sunday morning and think okay well, well we'll expect it and then it sort of comes to roughly the point where you anticipate your first stop and you go okay right well they've got it right so far and then ah and then it all it, everything goes very different like Silverstone was a was a two-stopper when it seemed that it, it was going to be fastest as a one-stopper. The two-stop in Silverstone was mainly due to the safety car obviously the safety car was changing the, the, the strategy and it was a free stop basically what happened in, in general is that we target a two-stop strategy. So with the selection of compounds, we target a two-stop strategy. But if you have a, a one-stop strategy that is uh, as quick as the two-stop or very, very close, let's say in the range of five seconds lower, no more than five seconds lower, all the teams are targeting a one-stop because it's less risky. You have one less. You, you have seen how many mistakes we had or unsafe release we had uh, this year. Uh, during the pit stop. So an additional pit stop potentially could mean that you have uh, an issue in fixing a tire or whatever. So there is a risk in in that. But also if you make a, a perfect pit stop, you lose time in the pit lane, you lose time uh, changing the tire, and then you are back in traffic. And with these cars, it's very difficult to overtake because of, of, of the aero package and uh, how the car that is following feel the car in front. 
we can see that they are losing uh, downforce when they are more than three seconds. Um, there are more than three seconds between the two cars. So uh, it's a lot. Three seconds is a straight line, more or less. So the influence of uh, the aero package is uh, incredible. Uh, all teams uh, are targeting to reduce the stop, to avoid traffic, to stay in front in, in free air. And that's why even if we are aggressive with, uh, with the compound choices, they try to find a way to have one stop. If we are aggressive with the softest of the three compounds, like the Hypersoft, everybody, all, all the drivers want the Hypersoft because they feel the grip and they enjoy driving with a lot of grip. But if this choice is too aggressive for the, that circuit, that means uh, if they start the race with this compound, they, can, they are obliged to, to consider a two-stop strategy. In Q2, the top teams are qualifying with a middle compound because they want to start the race with a middle compound and then move to hard, the, the, the hardest of the three and finish the race. So again, they try to reduce the number of pit stops. And we have to pay attention to go too aggressive because in that case, we oblige the teams that are in the midfield to qualifying to be in the top 10 with the softest. And then they have to anticipate the first stop. That means that we are generating more gap between the midfield and the to top teams. So basically, the, the, the race for the midfield teams uh, is compromised because they have to start with the softest tire. I know that it's a bit uh, complicated, but uh, when we make calculation and we try to work together with the teams and with the FAA, with the FOM, they all make simulations to understand which is the best way to go uh, for, for the future and to select the compounds for the future. There is always something that is changing your plans. <laughs> you want to be more aggressive with the softest of the three and then you realize you are creating an issue with the, um, to the midfield teams. If you go too conservative, uh, the race is boring. Mm, I don't want to see races that are decided by the blistering. This is not the right approach for me in Formula 1. What we saw in Silverstone is the right direction. We had uh, teams with different strategies. We had all the tires were working well. They were fighting on track. They were overtaking on track. And that was possible because the tires were working well, not because there was blistering. Because otherwise with blistering, we are creating uh, a false situation, not uh, a real racing. The interesting question in the, the Silverstone race was we heard long before the safety car on the second stops, Ferrari were struggling with the front left yeah. more than Bottas was. And, and in the second stint, we were seeing Bottas kind of creeping up and Ferrari trying to manage. And we we're thinking, well, actually, Bottas is in quite a good position here. Do you kind of have an understanding of what what Ferrari was struggling with? Were they were they encountering any blistering with it? Was it what, what was the, what no, was the no. limitation there? It, it is more related to the setup. Uh, if you look uh, at uh, Red Bull, was struggling more with the rear tires. Uh, or if I can give you another example in Austria uh, on Friday, because of the cold conditions, everybody was uh, struggling a little bit with the graining on the ultra soft, and they tried to. But but the graining was not on the front or or the rear on the rear it was a lot uh, related to the setup of the car so they changed the, the, the setup they adjust the setup on the car to try to balance front and rear in a better way and reduce the graining then on sunday we had uh, sunny condition 18 degrees more tarmac uh, and obviously 
on Friday, everybody was trying to put some heat in the tire to avoid graining. But on Sunday, they had to take out heat from the tire to, to run the tire colder because of the temperature that was outside. So that's why they experienced blister on the soft compound. The soft compound was the hardest of the three. So lower, but a lot of heat generating generated inside the, the bulk of the compound. And this created a, the, the blister that we saw during the race. But uh, it was not easy for teams on Friday to know and understand that on Sunday we had a completely different conditions. And, and it is easy for having explained all those complexities, it always tends to come back to the tyres that get criticised because the drivers, it's very easy for them to say it's the famous old oh, bad set of tyres, all these sorts of vague claims because then they can not point at their team or themselves, they can point at someone else. Fans on the outside saying, oh, if it's a dull race, it's oh, Pirelli's fault. If it's a brilliant race, oh, the drivers and the teams have done a, a great job. So it is challenging. I mean, that all of that said, which must be a difficult position, this year, because of the, the kind of moving target you were shooting at, pretty much one stop has been been the default. I think we've had three two stops looking at victory strategies. And I think all of those, it's fair to say, were influenced by by safety cars. So that that kind of moving target you're trying to hit and all these variables you talked about that probably people won't really really think about with the wear of the size, the degradation, graining, track conditions, car balance, etc. etc. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean when you are the sole supplier, the risk to be criticized is is there. We, we know that since a long time. So uh, what uh, we try to do is to supply the best product, to analyze the data coming from the weekend and to react uh, inside the regulation in order to make a better selection. Or, for example, it is important what we are collecting in terms of data from these races to develop a better product for next year. Obviously, the ability to react is limited because uh, there is no space to, as I said, to change the, the product during the year. We made this, uh, just this small modification with the thread thickness this year, but because it was related mainly to the new tarmac on three circuits. So it was a different story. But uh, then we analyzed data in order to make something better for the following year, mainly for that. Uh, then uh, once we have a product with these characteristics, it's up to the team to set up the car, to explain to the driver how to drive it, to, to save the tire or push on tire to warm up the tire in the proper way and so on. And it's more, uh, it's their job. This is why we have uh, one engineer that is allocated on each team with uh, the, and his job is to provide data to the team and they all provide the same uh, amount of data and quality of data to support the team uh, in looking for the best performance of the tire but then it's up to them to to find the sweet spot there's a lot of talking about the working range and so on so it's up to the team to 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 find a way to make the car working on this tire um, forget the discussion about the possibility to have uh, one set that is good and one set that is bad because when we produce a batch of tire for one event you know that we announce the selection considering european events nine weeks before the race then teams have one week to make their selection of the 10 sets per car they can select then we prepare the batch of tire for that race once the tires are ready 
and we have one barcode on each tire that is provided by the FIA, we send all the numbers, all the 1,800 numbers to FIA. And FIA has a software to make a random allocation of each single tire. So it is impossible that we have one set that you can have one tire that is not working in one set, but is really, really difficult because our quality controls now uh, are huge. We, we, we check everything on the tire. But uh, it is impossible to have one set that is working and one set that is not working because the random allocation is really random. Is made by the FIA with a software that is just just a selecting in a random way barcode numbers. Do, do, you, do you see it as a positive step when you see teams um, actively rowing in a different direction on strategy? For instance, at Silverstone, Renault went um, for a medium followed by hard one-stop strategy. Or was, was that choice dictated because they couldn't get the other tyres to work for them as well? No, we are there just to to check they are using the tire in a safe way. So if, uh, for example, you see, obviously we provide averages when we, we tell you the most probable strategy is this one, we consider average wear, average performance, average degradation. Then each team has numbers on each single set used during the free practice. So they know exactly uh, the wear, the degradation, and so on. If you see that... Uh, you were mentioning Renault. Renault uh, limitation is uh, for the medium compound on 20 laps, and they are planning a strategy where they run 25 or 28 laps. Our engineer is there to, to say, pay attention. You cannot run such a long stint with these tires because your wear is of this amount or your degradation or... Um, if we find, for example, we analyze a lot of tires during the weekend. Maybe nobody knows that, but we have laboratories on track in, in some of the, our tracks, in the back of our tracks, we have laboratories and we analyze the tires during the weekend. So after free practice too, we take the set, when they return the set, we cut uh, sections, we check if everything is okay, if there is porosity, if there is blister that maybe you don't see from the, the outside. And we give all this information to the to the teams. So they have a lot more information than what is adverse, advertised to, to the world. Talking of, of outside perceptions, probably the point where Pirelli got talked about most this year was the Spanish Grand Prix where we had the Ferrari drivers hinting about the, the thinner gauge tyres. I think it was the tread was 0.4 mil thinner for Spain, Paul Ricard and Silverstone because of the, the new surface, yeah. uh, uh, basically a faster faster circuit uh, than it was effectively. And then you're under attack there, but then Sebastian Vettel tried the regular tyres in the post-race test and said, actually, do you know what, Pirelli, Pirelli, we're right, we've got blistering problems. And I remember speaking to you after and you were saying, yeah, you're really happy with it because obviously Pirelli had been under attack and then suddenly it's, oh, actually, we can we can check this criticism. And do you know what? You're right. And obviously, if Ferrari had been on the regular tyres at Silverstone on uh, Silverstone last weekend, it would have been it would have been a, a big problem again. Yeah, we, we made this modification, as I said, because the new tarmac with a lot of bitumen on top uh, is generating adhesive grip. Uh, that is, that means that uh, you, you put a lot of heat, a lot of energy, a lot of heat into the tyres, and you are blistering because the wear is very limited with the new tar- the, the tarmac is smooth, but with a lot of grip. So you have grip, heat, but not, not wear. And uh, 
because of the hysteresis that you have into the, the compound, you generate heat inside the compound and therefore blistering. That was a clear indication during the pre-season test in Barcelona that was affecting all the teams. We never make a change if the issue is not uh, on all the teams. So th this is the important uh, uh, piece of information that is missing. We decided to change in these three races because all the teams, we have the, the, the evidence from Barcelona, obviously we had no possibility to test in Ricard before the race or in uh, Silverstone before the race. But looking at the characteristics of the tarmac and uh, comparing uh, with uh, uh, other races like GT races that are uh, were in uh, Silverstone and Ricard, we saw that the characteristics of the tarmac were very, very similar. So we decided to introduce the modification uh, for the three races. In Barcelona, it was uh, uh, very important to have the, the in-season test after the race. And we gave, uh, to, to show, also to show that uh, uh, we didn't make this to give any advantage to anybody because it, it's really... So it's to say, but it's stupid. We, we are supplying everybody. So we are, uh, any team that is winning a race is on a Pirelli tire. <laughs> it could be any of them and we win the race. So there is no real uh, advantage for us to, to give uh, uh, support to one or, or, or another. So in Barcelona, we gave them the opportunity to choose for the test standard thread or reduced thread. And some of them made a comparison that was a very important uh, activity. And in the comparison, they realized that the standard thread was blistering and the reduced thread was fixing the problem. So on the technical side, it was the right decision. And in Silverstone, I'm sure I have to analyze the tires because obviously the, the race finished yesterday, but I'm sure we were not far from blistering or I would say in uh, with standard thread we probably had the blistering. So with this reduced gauge it was possible to have a real race looking at the real performance of the car without any external effect that was changing the balance. What what's the future going to be? 2019 there's always ongoing talks about what could happen so you can have a target for where you want to position your your compounds and then we've also had a little bit of talk about what the compounds might be called, whether they could be rebadged, so you just have three hard, medium, soft compounds for for each race weekend. But there's an underlying, uh, there's an underlying compound if you like. But you just say, right, that's the that's the tire in the middle. That's the hardest one. That's the softest one. And the softest one might be a hyper soft, or it might be a, a soft. But just so people can can understand it more. So what, what's what are we going to see next year? What's the current thinking? Yeah, what we are doing is, uh, first of all, we are developing a new construction because obviously we learn every weekend from uh, the track and uh, we know that we can do, uh, we can improve the current product. But also we are redesigning some of the compounds because soft, super and ultra are too close. So we want to, uh, to have a bigger gap. If we uh, achieve this target, there is also the possibility that we reduce the number of compounds that are, about, that are homologated. So maybe we we go down to five or six compounds, not seven. Let's call them A, B, C, D, F, or whatever. 
uh, for spectators is probably better and it's uh, more understandable to have uh, hard, medium and soft to all the races and three colors. So you know that the, let's say the white is the hardest, the yellow is the one in the middle. I'm just, just an example. Nobody decided the colors yet, but uh, the name. Are, that's the are, most important thing. Forget the technical side of milk. Yeah, yeah, no, that, 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 that's important well, for television. <laughs> that's why we are talking to, to the TV people to understand that which are the three colors that are more visible. Uh, to be sure that for spectators it is clearly uh, clear uh, what each car is fitting. So let's say that we have uh, white, yellow, and red, or whatever. You know, since race one, that the white is the hardest and the red is the softest, and the yellow is the one in the middle, full stop. If you are not inter interested, too much interested in technical detail, once you know the three colors, the three names, it is clear to each event. Then there is a second level of information, as you said, where people are interested to know what is behind these three names. And uh, we will give you all the information related to hard this race is compound A, uh, medium is C, and uh, soft is D, or whatever, because uh, it's, it's important. If you are interested in technical details, this is important. We don't want to give the message that we are going with the same three compounds to Silverstone and Monaco. This is wrong. Formula One is technology, is the top of technology. If you look at the cars, they have a special wings, a special floor, special parts for each circuit or some circuits. We cannot use the same tires to all the circuits. Hopefully we've given everyone a little bit of an insight into the complexities and the challenges. And, and thanks very much, uh, Mario Isola, for the, for the insight. It's very easy to criticise the tyre supplier, but uh, cars don't go very far on, uh, on wheel rims. I think Stefano Domenicali, the former Ferrari team principal, said you can't, you can't go Formula 1 racing Flintstone style uh, a few years ago. So, uh, so it's an important thing and perhaps people will, uh, certainly some of the, the social media warriors might give Pirelli a bit more of a break with a bit of extra understanding. So thanks also to Stuart Codling. And thanks from me, your host, Ed Straw. And of course, we've got the German Grand Prix coming up this weekend. So please check out autosport.com for all the news, both in the build-up to and during the race weekend at Hockenheim. Check out our Plus subscriber area, where we've got all sorts of in-depth coverage of Formula One, uh, rest of the world of motorsport, IndyCar, World Rally Championship, Formula E, the lot. Autosport Magazine's out on Thursday. We've got an in-depth cover feature about the new Red Bull-Honda relationship and how things might go in 2019 with that. Please also check out sister site motorsport.com and sister title F1 Racing. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.